so I did this series, Practical Applications in the Book of Acts. And the Lord just started leading me to this one particular um, article that I'd written on here. So if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to read a story that you've probably heard many, many times. And we may be taking a little bit different look at it than, than you might have in the past. So Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which is 3 in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Verse 4, Peter said, looked at it straight at him, and he, as did John, and he says, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as I said, you've probably read this story quite a few times, and there's, there's just so much in this story to look at uh, and, and see what happens here to this man. But three things kind of stood out to me immediately as I read through this, this passage. The first one was that Peter and John did not have what was requested of them. In verse 2 and 3 there, it, it says that he was asking for money, and Peter and John had no money. Now, it seems pretty natural, wouldn't, wouldn't you say so? For a guy who is lame and couldn't work, had to have people carry him around all the time, he couldn't earn his own provision. He couldn't take care of himself. He couldn't meet his own needs. And so, you know, what he was thinking about most likely was, hey, how do I get through today? And what I need is for you to give me some money and then I can buy some food and, and take care of myself. But the apostles had no money. They couldn't meet the need that was requested of them. The second thing I think sticks out pretty quickly is they may not have had what the man thought he needed, but they had something else to give and it was something much better than he could have ever imagined. It says Peter commanded the man to get up and walk. Now, you know, we can all look at that and go, wow. <laughs> have you ever been in that place where you've seen someone in a wheelchair or whatever it may be, or even someone blind, and you're just like, man, Lord, would you give me that ability to do that and actually go over there and, and call that out? And I think most of us would say we'd be scared to death to do that. But Peter commanded the man to get up and walk. The man was instantly healed. And not only did he walk, but he jumped around praising God. And in that very moment, this man's life was changed forever. 
No longer would he have to sit and beg at the temple gate or at the temple court. No longer would he have to rely on someone else picking him up and carrying him somewhere. From now on, he could experience the joy of maybe walking through the Garden of Gethsemane or actually uh, maybe even dancing the Hava Nagila. His life was changed forever. And how much greater is that which he received than what he asked for? How much greater was the ability to walk in comparison to receiving a, a few shekels? Now, I don't know you, but I always wonder things. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if Peter and John actually had some money? What, what would they have done if they actually had the money? I think if we think about what we might have done, would they have just given him the money and, you know, hey, we're on our way to prayer. Here, here's a few bucks, and we're going to prayer. Now, look, that could have been a good thing, right? Certainly, the man would have appreciated getting the money. That's, that's what he asked for, and, the apostles could feel really good about, hey, we are able to help somebody and we are not missing prayer. So it could have been a good deal for him. And it all would have seemed very spiritual. But the thing is that God had something much better in mind. The third thing that I notice right off the bat is the apostles were quick to give away what God had given them. And this goes back to Matthew 10.8. In Matthew 10, chapter 10, actually starting about in verse 5, it talks about how Jesus sent the disciples out, and he said, I'm sending you to the lost sheep of Israel. They weren't to go to the Gentiles at this time. They were only to go to the house of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. And when he sent them out, he said, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse lepers. And I want you to drive out demons. And doing all this... While you are preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. So they had a message that they were to give out, but they were also to give out these other things. These powers that God had given them, they were to use in order to preach the gospel. And then he said to them, Freely you have received, freely give. And this was really a, a time for training for these disciples. They didn't get to do this all the time. He sent them out because he knew there was going to be a time when he would be gone and they no longer would have him to count on to do all the miracles and to preach the gospel. And he was training them for that time. And he was showing them that they would receive power from on high. And he was teaching them that they were to use any and everything that God had given to them to further the cause of the gospel. Now, there seemed to be no hesitation on Peter's part. He didn't sit around and go, okay, Lord, what if it doesn't work? And what if I tell this guy to get up and he doesn't get up? And, you know, what am I going to do? No, he didn't do that. He just did what the Holy Spirit led him to do. He knew that God had given him the ability to do this, and he was going to use it. So we look at those three major points, and we say, okay, what, what can we as the church learn from those Today, how, how can we apply it uh, in our lives today? And I think the question might be, well, look, Pastor Chris, we're not apostles, right? We, we don't get that kind of power. How does this really uh, apply to us? And I think first I would want to say to us, well, the principles still 
apply. Whether or not you've been given a power to heal someone, the principles of what they were doing apply to us. Jesus, if he were standing right here in the flesh before us, would say the same thing to us. He would say, freely you have been given, freely give. And you know, there's multiple verses in the Bible talking about financially and helping the poor and and those things, and we should be doing those. In that way, he gives us. But this goes much deeper than just that. We're talking about things that can change a person's life here on earth and their eternal destiny. And it's obvious that what Peter did completely changed the layman's earthly life, right? We see that. But it's interesting, it affected him and his eternal soul as well. And in verse 8, we see that this man, once he was healed, gave praise to God, not Peter. Now, you may not think this, but that was kind of unusual. Usually when something like that happened, the first thing was the person would want to worship the apostles. And they'd be going like, no, please, don't do that. <laughs> I like my life. Don't. It's not me, it's God. But this guy realized, whether he knew before or whether he realized at that moment, that it was God that had really done the healing. And of course, Peter knew that as well. If you look in verse 16, it says, By faith in the name of Jesus, meaning everything about Jesus and who he is, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. No credit to me, Peter is saying. But not only in this instance did the lame man benefit from this eternally, so did others who were watching. You see, this miracle that took place here gave Peter a chance to preach a gospel message. In Acts 4.4, after Peter preaches this fairly long message, it says, But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So not only did the lame man benefit eternally, but all these people who saw this and were around and got to listen to the message of the gospel were changed eternally as well. They received the gift of salvation. What could be better than that? What could be better than receiving eternal life? Even more than being healed as a lame man, you now have eternal life. But again, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I get that. But look, we still, we don't have that apostolic power. So, so we don't have that to give to people. Well, actually, that's kind of a matter of debate. There are people who God seems to use in miraculous ways as they're preaching the gospel. But that's okay. We don't need to get into that debate here tonight. Because there are things that as a Christian, all of us, have received from God. Things that there's no debate about. So let's take a look at them. What are those things that you and I as Christians have received from God? Well, number one, we've received, sal we received salvation, right? For those of you that have made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you are saved from God's judgment, from God's wrath. You have been given eternal life to spend in relationship with God. So that's number one, Ephesians 2.8, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Well, that tells us a couple other things. So we've been saved, we have salvation, 
And that came by a gift of God. And of course, when we get a gift, what do we have to do with that gift to make it be uh, valuable to us? We have to receive it and open it, right? So we've done that. But it says that it's a gift of faith that God has given to you. And Romans 12, 3 says this. All of us, all who have been saved, have been given a measure of faith. You couldn't come to Christ without that measure of faith. So you have been given salvation, and you have been given a measure of faith by God. You've also been given the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Now, I know that most of you know that, but there, sometimes we need to be reminded. So we've been given salvation. We've been given a measure of faith. We've been given the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches us then that the Holy Spirit gives us a whole bunch of other things. So I want to list a few for you, and I want you to think about this. It says that the Holy Spirit gives us a supernatural ability to understand His Word. The power of the Holy Spirit is what helps us to understand His Word. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be taught by men. We are. We are also taught by books, whatever it may be. But ultimately, if we get truth, if we understand what the Word is actually saying, it's because of a supernatural ability given to us by the Holy Spirit. So the ability to understand His Word. What else does He give us? Well, He gives us supernatural wisdom for applying that Word. Supernatural wisdom for applying that Word. Now, some people would say, well, yeah, I know there's people who have the gift of wisdom. Yes, that's true. But we're not just talking about the spiritual gift of wisdom. He's given each of us an ability to apply His Word practically. It's by His power that He does that. So we've all been given an ability to have wisdom, a supernatural wisdom, for applying His Word to our life. He wouldn't expect us to be able to apply His Word to our life if He didn't give us the wisdom and the ability to do that. Then He also gives us a supernatural strength and ability to carry out His commands. Again, we couldn't carry out the commands of Jesus without the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit working in our life. But He gives that to us. He gives us the ability to follow the commands that He has given to us. And then the Holy Spirit gives us specific spiritual gifts. And there's lists of those gifts, if you're interested. They're in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and a couple other places. Spiritual gifts, and He expects us to use those in order to build up the body of Christ. So He gives those mostly for serving one another in the church. But I think He also gives us those. When we talk about building up, we can't build up a body if there aren't other people, right? <laughs> so He gives us these specific gifts to be used in the building up of the body of Christ. He's given us a lot so far, right? Well, last and not the least by any means, I think actually maybe the most important thing, the most important thing that we receive from the Holy Spirit is a supernatural ability to love other people. A supernatural ability to agape, love other people. A love that's selfless, that does not concern with itself, but always for others. It's a special love 
that I don't believe you can have without the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit gives that ability to love other people, even when they are unlovable. So, you know, just looking at this, and this is just a short list. This isn't a, an exhaustive list by any means. But in this short list, if we start to think about all the things that, that the Lord has given us, we, we realize that we've been given so much. But in Luke 12, 48, it says, For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask more. So even though when we teach a message from the pulpit here, we're speaking to all believers, really. And we know that people listen on the internet, they listen on the radio, and they're going to hear this message. But I just want to tell you that this message tonight is very personal to us here at Living Truth. What I'm going to share from this point is really because I felt the Lord was placing this on my heart to share with us, this family that we have here at Living Truth and this family that that I love so much. When we think about being here at Living Truth, we have been given much, have we not? We're, we're a church that's well known for feeding the flock, and that means a couple of things. Number one, it means the truth of God's word. And we're not just known here, but we are known in the community. People just say, well, if you want Bible teaching, you're going to get it at Living Truth. And so we're known for that, and I think that's wonderful. As I teach the Firm Foundation class, and at the beginning of every class, I ask a question, what brought you here and what's keeping you here? And all kinds of things, you know, people say for what brought them here. It's always fun to hear people's stories. But I hear two things of why they stayed. And one is the teaching of God's Word. And for many people, they say it's the first time I've ever been in a church where they teach verse by verse through the Bible and just continue to feed us God's word. But the second thing I hear is, I feel loved at living truth. And I think that's another awesome thing. We've been given so much here, and, and I see in the church, and I see so many of you and sitting in these pews tonight, and if I look out on a Sunday morning, I see so many people that I know that's what they are doing. The love that they have been given from Christ, they are sharing with the people in the body of Christ. I see people gathering other people to pray with them. We have so many ministries here where, where you people, not the pastors, you people are praying with one another, ministering to one another's needs. We have benevolence ministry where we take care of people. We have meals ministries. We have so many things going on here where people are ministering to other people in the body of Christ, meeting physical needs, meeting emotional needs. And many of you are using your spiritual gifts in different areas, again, to build up the body of Christ, especially right here at Living Truth. And in that sense, I would say to you, you really are giving what you got. By the way, I know that's not grammatically correct. Okay, somebody goes, wasn't this guy a teacher? Come on. I know that. But that's how we talk, isn't it? And I think, you know, when I read the, the, the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation, I think if Jesus were to write living truth, a letter like that, I think he would commend living truth for those things. I think that would be in his priority areas. 
But tonight, I want us all, and that includes me, to ask ourselves a question. Are we giving that same love out to the world around us? To the people outside of these church walls? Are we sharing that which we have received? Are we giving what we've got to those who are not here at Living Truth or even in the general body of Christ? In our pastor's meeting on Tuesday, Pastor Rizzi said, you know, I don't know if we would ever be a church of 20,000 like some of these churches are. And my response to that was, you know, if we do become that big, I pray that it's because we are filled with new believers that we have led to Jesus Christ. That's what I pray. Now look, I know that the common method of evangelizing today and bringing people to the Lord seems to be, let's get the people in the building and then the pastor will convert them. Right? A lot of you guys have been to churches like that. That seems to be the goal. And that's why every week is some kind of an evangelistic message rather than verse by verse through the Bible. And you know, it's interesting because that's even led some churches to do some pretty bizarre things to get people in their seats. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not the biblical model. And believe me, I'm happy that people will get saved if they truly are saved, if they truly heard the gospel and they're saved. But that's not the biblical model, and it's really not at all the most effective way of bringing people to Christ. You see, Jesus sent the disciples out. He didn't tell them, let's hang here and always bring everybody, you know, into the synagogue. He sent the disciples out. And he spoke to us and he said, we got to go to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And that doesn't mean we all have to go out and be missionaries. We have our own Jerusalem. And many people are planted in their Jerusalem, and that's great. But if you look at the early church, it was Christians brought people to Christ Number one, by their example of love to the people around them, even to those who were persecuting them. And they lived godly lifestyles. Not all. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to see some really ungodly lifestyles in that particular church. But the method of the church was to live a life for Christ and to share that love of Christ with those around them. And they turned their world upside down. Now, by this, I'm not trying to suggest that all of us become door-to-door evangelists. We have an evangelism team here, and that's awesome. And I think as, as you know, living truth, we want to see that maybe even expand. And we do certain different types of things. And part of it is door-to-door, and part of it's at the mall, and part of it's at the high schools and the junior highs. And that's an awesome thing. And that's usually people who are gifted in the area of evangelism. That's, that's their passion. That's what God has given to them. And I'm not saying that we all need to be Uh, Those kinds of evangelists. And in fact, if you look at the example here, if you think of it again, Peter and John were not necessarily walking around looking to evangelize. Where were they going? Where were they going? To the temple to do what? To pray. They were just living their godly life at that moment. They were going to the temple to pray. And then this opportunity just presented itself, and they didn't even have what, what this man thought he needed. But what happened was that they sensed an opportunity to give out what they had been given 
by the power of God. And you know, I really doubt whether Peter knew that this would lead to an opportunity to preach the gospel and see a whole bunch of people get saved. I think he was just following the leading of the Holy Spirit and looking for an opportunity, always looking for an opportunity to be used. And that is the key for us, brothers and sisters. Looking for opportunities to be used. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You see, what God really wants is for us to give, us our, give Him our entire being, everything about us, body, soul, and spirit, to be used by Him. And when we do that, He will give us the opportunities that we need to freely give out that which He has given to us. So the question for you and I tonight is, do you want God to use you more? Do you want more opportunities? And look, again, when we're talking about sharing the gospel and giving out what we've given, it doesn't mean that you have to always lead a person to Jesus. We kind of think that. We think, oh, you know, anything I do, I've got to lead them all the way to Jesus. If I don't, it wasn't excess. No. You know, some people are going to plant. Some are going to water, and some are going to harvest. This is what Pastor Michael was uh, just teaching on, right? We're, we're nothing. We're only instruments by God, and sometimes you're going to plant a seed. Sometimes somebody else has already planted a seed, and you get to a person, and you know they know a little bit about Jesus, so you kind of water it up, right? And hope that it grows a little bit. And then maybe God will use you sometime to harvest what somebody else has already done where, like what's happened to me a, a few times, where, you know, you start to share the gospel and the person goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I want to accept Jesus. How do I do that? That may happen. Well, if you want God to use you more, if that's you and you realize that I have all of this that I've been given and I want to give it out, then I got a couple questions for you, a couple more. Number one, have you sincerely asked the Lord for those opportunities? You see, the biggest part of receiving anything from God is we've got to ask Him first. We, we tend to not do that sometimes. And James says, we don't have, we have not, because we ask not. But then question number two is, are you really ready to receive that? See, when you go to God and you ask for something, you have to be ready to receive it when He gives it to you. And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask because we think, oh man, if I ask that, God might really give it to me. And that might change my life. It might even convenience me once in a while. I might have to do something that I, different than what I planned to do. And I guarantee you, if you ask the Lord for opportunities, that's going to happen to you. You're going to have your plan for the day, and all of a sudden God's going to change that plan. And it's not always going to go the way you thought it might go. So if you're going to be ready to ask for those opportunities, you also need to be able to uh, recognize and use those opportunities. So I want to illustrate with another biblical example. If you turn uh, to Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 26. Acts 8, 26. So here's another biblical example of exactly how God works in these situations. 
Acts 8, starting in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, I'm going to just tell you, it may not be an angel that tells you to do something like that, but the Holy Spirit will. Verse 27, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, first it was the angel, now it says the spirit, I don't know, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. In verse 32, the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. In verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. A tremendous story. And you go, okay, yeah, but that was Philip. Well, who is Philip? <laughs> but we need to know who Philip is. Is Philip different than we are? Is he the same as we are? Well, this Philip is not the apostle Philip, not one who was one of Jesus' disciples. But in fact, he was one of the seven deacons chosen in the church at Jerusalem. So he was a believer. Uh, he was chosen as a deacon. They said they picked seven guys full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. But apparently, Philip had a passion to share the gospel. So much so that he even went to Samaria to preach the gospel. Now, can you imagine? He was a Jew going to Samaria to preach the gospel. If you uh, know anything about Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along. They hated each other. It was a racial bigotry that was worse than anything you can imagine. The Jews, a good Jew, would have nothing to do with a Samaritan. But Philip went to preach to the Samaritans. And what we see here is important enable, to enable us to give out what we have. We see here that Philip was prepared. He was led by the Spirit. That's number one. He was led by the Spirit. Number two, he knew his scriptures. Number three, he was willing and available to be used to give away that which he had received. See, here's the thing for us, living truth. As well-fed as we are, there's a danger of us becoming fat sheep. I don't want to be a fat sheep. You know how you get to be a fat sheep? Because you just continue to eat and eat and eat, and you don't use it up. No different than our bodies. You see, we got to go out and empty our tank, so to speak. 
Then we got to come in and get filled up again. Then we got to go empty that tank again. Otherwise, what happens is we get filled up with spiritual pride. The Bible says that you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's easy for us here at Living Truth because we are so well-fed to be welled up with spiritual pride, you know. And, and, and I know that, that we have some people that do this. You know, hey, we know the Bible better than all the other people in the other churches here. That may be true. I don't know. But it might be. And look, when I get on Facebook, boy, I can defend our doctrine to the hilt. I can get in those Facebook arguments and I can just really nail those guys. Because I know the Word of God. And when the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons come to my door, oh, look out, baby. I got you. See, we can be welled up with spiritual pride because of our knowledge if we're not giving it out, if we're holding it side, if we're getting, if we're getting fat. And see, our calling is not to win arguments, not to rile people up on Facebook. Our calling is to bring people to Christ. And I think about that meeting tonight, and that's why I've been praying all day. Lord, whatever happens at that meeting, I pray that you'll use the Christians there to give out what they have. Not to get into the political argument. Not to get into a shouting match with someone, but to share the love of Christ. And sometimes you think, okay, but I'm not as equipped or prepared as Philip was, and I haven't received that much yet. Well, here's the neat thing. We're only called out to give that which we have already received. You see, if we look at the story, Peter and John didn't have any money, so did God expect them to give the guy money? I don't think so. Now, if it was Jesus, he could have you know, pulled a coin out of the fish's mouth and given him money, but I'm, I'm not sure that the disciples or the apostles thought they could do that. So it's important to realize that God doesn't ask us to give something that we haven't already received. I mean, that's impossible. How can we give something out that we haven't received? It's not like we have a spiritual credit card. Well, I can give it out now and I'll get it later, right? It doesn't work that way. So don't worry about what you have so far and think that God's expecting you to give out something you haven't received yet. So let's, let's think of it this way. Maybe you're a new believer and maybe you don't have that much biblical knowledge yet. You're just learning and you're just starting to grow. Well, God doesn't expect you to go out and witness to some guy with a Ph.D. in atheism. Is there such a PhD? I think there is. I mean, I look at what's going on in the universities today, and they might as well just say that. You know, PhD in science. No, PhD in atheism. That's what it is. Well, God's not going to expect you to go out there and, and debate with this person who has all this knowledge ready to battle you. You don't have to do that. You can just share your own testimony, how you came to Christ. And you know what, what you can do then? Then you can just tell them, you know, God loves you so much and has a wonderful plan for your life. Oh, that really gets them. That really irritates them. Oh, you Christians. I'm just kidding. But look, you even as a brand new Christian, and all you know is, I, I just know that I've come to faith in Christ. I believe who he is who he says he is and that my sins are forgiven and it's changed my life. You can just share that. And you know what? Even with the hard-nosed atheist, you may have just planted the first seed. Or maybe you've watered a seed that somebody else planted. You never know. See, it's not our job to convert anybody. That's the Holy Spirit does that. We just share, and we give out what God's already given to us. But for most of you in here, I know that you've been Christians for a while, and you're well-equipped. 
And, and when we think about, well, why is it that I'm not always giving out what I have? And I think there's one more thing. If we're not giving that out, there's one more thing we need to receive from the Lord. And I would say if that's you tonight and you're going, that, that is me and not really giving out what I should. I might be doing that inside these walls, but I'm not doing it out there. I think we need to all be in prayer for a fresh work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I think we need to be praying for us to be revived and to be refreshed. But mostly I think we need to be praying for God to give us a real, true love for those who are not yet believers. I think that's the only thing that will really motivate us to share the gospel and to give out what God's given to us. So if you know that you're not doing that, then would you just commit to praying and asking God, God, fill me afresh with the love for people that you had to look at people the way you do and to know, to know what their future is without you. Some of you are saying, no, 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 that's it. I'm just kind of afraid. Well, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So there goes that excuse, all right? Let's, let's throw that one out the window. And look, there's no reason to be afraid. If you are led by the Holy Spirit, if you're praying for God to give you those opportunities and He leads you to Him, there's no reason to be afraid. He'll give you what you need in that situation, no matter how far along you are in the gospel. And I promise you that if you really do pray for opportunities and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, I promise you, you will get chances to give out what you got. He will do that. And I just want to, as we're kind of closing tonight, and we're going to enter into a time of worship in a few minutes, I just want to share a couple of personal stories because I think that's, that's helpful. Now look, I told you that I was speaking to me tonight, and there have been so many times in my life where, and especially even more since I've been working as a pastor, believe it or not. When I was in the public school, God just gave me opportunity after opportunity. It was so many, I, I just couldn't even tell you. But now I'm here, and I'm in this building a lot, and I don't always get those opportunities. So to get an opportunity, I have to really, really pray and seek it out and, and really be alert, and sometimes I don't do that. But I want to share one story with you. Um, I, I know even what night it was. It was the night I bought my uh, RAV4. And I had finished uh, buying the car, and they always give you a voucher to fill up gas, right? So I go to the gas station to fill up gas, and as often happens uh, when you go to a place like a 7-Eleven to fill up your gas, there's going to be somebody standing outside that 7-Eleven, and they're going to be in need, right? It happens all the time. But this one was a little bit different. It was a very young man. He didn't look like he'd been homeless, really. Um, and so as I approached the store... Uh, I said, okay, Lord, I know something's going to happen here, so just get me ready. And so the young man standing outside the store said, I could really use some food. Didn't ask for money, so I knew he was legit right off the bat. He just said, could you help me with some food? And I said, sure. And uh, we walked in the store, and I said, just go grab a sandwich, whatever you want. Just grab it. We'll pay for it and eat it. Now, I just have to tell you, in my own mind, I was doing my godly duty, you know, God given me the financial ability to help this young man out, and I was going to do that, and I was going to jump in the car and go home. It was late. But as we were walking out, the Holy Spirit stopped me dead in my tracks, and he said, you need to talk to this young man. And I probably argued with the Lord, maybe, I don't know. 
But I decided to listen to him. And I sat and I listened to this young man's story and, and what had happened to him. And, you know, oftentimes you hear stories. I mean, I've heard them all, believe me. If you've done any homeless ministry, you've heard all the stories. But I couldn't help but thinking this guy was telling me the absolute truth of what was going on. He had gotten kicked out of uh, the place he was living in because they were selling drugs there. And he told them, I'm going to, if you don't stop, I'm going to report you. So they said, leave. And he did. And um, he had some job interviews coming up and, and such. But the point of the story was I, I could have just met that first need. Um, but here's what happened. After he told me his, his story, I, I said, young man, I, I said, I want you to know I'm a Christian and I'm going to pray for you right now. Is that okay? And he goes, oh, yes. He goes, I'm a Christian too. And I know a lot of guys say that. But he says, but I've been out of church. I haven't been going. Long story short, I, I prayed with this young man and what he told me, and I don't remember the exact words, but what he told me was, something along the line of, I really thank you for the food, but I just want to thank you more for taking the time with me. He said, I needed to know that God still cared about me. I was beginning to wonder. And so I encouraged him to get back into church and that, you know, if he, he could get into church, he might get some more help. Maybe somebody could help him find a place and those things. But the point was, God has given me more than money. God has given me his son by the power of his spirit and an ability to share with another person. And this young man, just he just needed to know God still cared about him. And it meant so much more to him to take the time and talk with him and pray than it even did the food. Now, I like to say that's always how it is, but, but it's not always how it is. Uh, I used to do what I call a Circle K ministry. You know, 7-Eleven Circle K, right? And my Circle K ministry was that I would drive to the Circle Ks in the neighborhood. This was down in the Costa Mesa, Santa Ana area. Uh, sometimes like on a Saturday morning, whatever, and just stop and talk to guys who were out there needing something, get them something to eat, similar situation. And I remember this one time, there was this real tall African-American gentleman standing outside, a very clean cut and everything else. And I'm like, I wonder what this guy wants. And so he says, he says um, you know, could you spare me some money? And I said, no, I don't give money out. And I said, but if you need food, come on. And he goes, Nah, that's okay. Well, of course, that's suspicious, isn't it, when they say that? So I, I go in the store, and I come back out, and he's still standing there. And uh, he looks at me and goes, you probably figured I wanted money to buy, like, alcohol or cigarettes or something like that, right? And I said, no, I really didn't think anything. I just wondered why you'd, you didn't want food. You wanted money. And he goes, well, I'm kind of ashamed to tell you, but I wanted to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> and I said, well, thanks for being honest. And I started to walk away. And once again, the Holy Spirit hit me, and he said, give that man a track. And I had these tracks in my car, so I grabbed a track, and I walked back to him, and I said, you know what? I know what you think you need is to win the lottery, but I'm going to give you something that's way more valuable than the lottery ticket. This is something that will affect your life eternally, not just temporarily. And, and uh, so I didn't, I didn't actually have time to go through it with him, but I handed him the track and I prayed, you know, God, use that. Use that track in this man's life. You see, we have something to give people that's more valuable than the things that they think they need. 
Now look, I'm like you are. There are some times when I'm disobedient and I don't do what God tells me and I have to turn and repent. I've kind of come up with a saying, I don't want to, but I'm going to. Another great English sentence, right? I don't want to, but I'm going to. And I try to keep that in mind because there's so many times where I really don't want to, but I'm going to because you know what? The minute you step out in faith, and, and, and trust me, my wife can attest to this. I swear, I think I go into a parking lot and I must have this neon sign that I can't see it to my head saying, ask this guy, because it happens so much. Um, but I don't want to, but I'm going to. Because when you do, you see the blessing of what it is. Jesus said it is more blessed to what? Give than I don't think he was just talking about money there. I think he was talking about us spiritually as well. You're so blessed when you're able to give out to somebody and they're able to receive something from you that might change their eternal life. You never know when that's going to happen. But we need to trust God. And again, I told you this message was personal living truth because I believe this church has so much going on for it. And, and as... Uh, my wife and I prepared to be moving on in a few months. You know, I, I, I asked the Lord, I wonder what it's going to be like when, when we're gone and what it's going to be like in a few years. And I would say again, I, I just believe that God would commend this church for so much of what we do. But I would say there's one area that I think we could all do better at. One area where we could represent not just living truth because it's not about living truth. It's about Jesus Christ. And that is if we will get out more and more and more into your sphere of influence, your Jerusalem, your Judea, whether it be at work, whether it be at school, wherever it is. And you don't have to go out and be obnoxious. You just have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and, and use you and give out whatever it is he's given to you. He's not giving you the same gifts as somebody else. That's okay. Use what he's given you. Use the gifts, skills, abilities, and relationships that he's given to you.